Welcome to Comics Quest, where we pave the road for those who want to get into comics but don't know where to start. I am your host, J.D. Martin. And, listeners, it's the penultimate episode. Yeah, I know, you know, because of weird scheduling reasons, you know, we're not, we're only on episode 8. I usually have 10 uh, this season. Um, but that's okay. You know, we, 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 we keep chugging along, we keep rolling along. I'm going to stop rambling and just introduce the wonderful person I have here. <laughs> so, today... Listeners, uh, we're back after last week. Have you know? Last week we had Annihilator. We had a weird comic um, with a wonderfully weirdo, wonderful weirdo. I can't. Sp- you can already tell I can't speak. <laughs> this episode is going to be fun. Uh, and this week, once again, I have uh, another weird, weird comic with another weirdo. <laughs> I was wondering if I was going to get called a weirdo or not. <laughs> oh come on look, look here's the thing if you're gonna be on a show with me you're instantly a weirdo that's just that's just how ha- that is just a fact that is a fact of life uh and since you've already heard her let me introduce her she is the wonderful host of not only uh the minds at your podcast uh which past guest alex the vel co-hosts but she is also a fellow member of the certain pov network co-hosting judging book covers the one and only Meg Griffin. Hello. The one and only. Man, I love when people say that. It's so not true. There is only one. You are a Highlander. There is only one. I appreciate that. Also, if you find other dead Meg Griffins, it was not me. (laughs) Like, (laughs) let's just nip that thought in the bud already. All right. (laughs) Yes, detective. That is right. It was not Meg Griffin. It was me. (laughs) Uh, I wanted to make Meg feel comfortable on the show. Therefore, I wanted. To, therefore, I murdered all of them to make to make sure she was the only one. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. <laughs> what are friends for? <laughs> Murder, apparently. Murder. <laughs> Look, if it's like, look, if you're not, look, look, if you're not going to murder my doppelgangers for me, then then why are we even friends? Uh, that's I mean, fair. come on. That's fair. Who else is going to go into? I guess a dreamscape. And steal a key for me. Yeah, and and, and 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 look at this. You know, on on my own show, I have my guest uh, <laughs> di- like diving into uh, the comic we're talking today, which I had look, to find a segue right, right up the front. Yeah, it it is a beautiful segue. Uh, I I applaud you. Uh, it this comic, y'all. So we're discussing the six issue miniseries, Nameless. Of course, written by Grant Morrison, because that's the whole point of the season, uh, with art by Chris <laughs> Burnham, colors by Nathan Fairbairn, and letters by Simon Boland. Yes, I said that off the top of my head, because there's nothing else in the brain right now. So, this, uh, I, there's there's a reason I had this following Annihilator, for a couple reasons. One, Nameless d- was released after Annihilator, but second... um. I wanted to have them back to back because they're essential. I, I view them in the same way in that they're both comics that I don't fully understand, but I, I, I love regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're also comics that uh, I, I find, I find it interesting that I decided to put them on. I I'm, I'm discussing them here on this show and not my, my sister show, the long haul, because in a way, I feel like these com- these two comics, um, in particular Nameless, uh, 
almost shouldn't be someone's first comic. No. And at the same time, <laughs> I would love to hand this to someone who's never read a comic before and see what they see how they feel about it. I mm, it depends on the person. Yeah, I don't know. and that's and that and that's that's how Adam and I took a look at Annihilator of like you know like depending on how you view the type of story that this is depends on who what I would hand this to. Yeah, like I have friends that don't read comics but have read weird stuff. I don't know how you feel about language. Uh that I would hand this to in a heartbeat because like hey, let's talk about Mayan uh underworlds and hellscapes. And then there are people that I'm like, you like horror, but this is going to keep you from ever reading a comic book ever again. Because <laughs> this is oh, just a sure. different level of her horror. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I like, I, I am that person. I, I already mentioned this on, on the last episode, so I won't dig too deep into it. But um, I'm the type of person that when I saw Cosmopolis, when mm-hmm. I was like 16 or 17, a couple years after it had come out, uh, I watched Cosmopolis and I'm like, okay, so Robert Pattinson is is in a limo. He's trying to get across town. He needs to get a haircut. All these people ha- are having conversations with him, and I don't fully understand that. And why is there a twenty minute scene with Paul Giamatti at the end of this movie? What the fuck is happening? And sure, but there was something. There's like a kernel of interest inside me for this for this piece and i was like i have to try and understand it so that was like that led me on a journey of watching the movie like five times with commentary watching q a's reading the book it's based on and like going okay i kind of get it (laughs) fair fair but i'm just that kind of person like you know i my favorite movie of all time is a girl walks home alone at night and it's it's a movie that like i still struggle with at times of trying to fully understand fully comprehend what is what is happening in the narrative but i under i feel like i understand it enough and of course it's just an absolutely gorgeous movie that you know it 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 does hold that special place in my heart and i view nameless in kind of the same way except uh i am not at all uh familiar with mayan and polynesian philosophy I am not at all familiar with uh the world of magic so therefore about 80% of what goes on in this comic goes right over my head. Sure, sure. I will say, um, I just read recently, like, um, I would say within the last two weeks, The Gods of Shadow and Jade by Sylvia Monero uh, Garcia, and which is steeped in Mayan... Um, let's say philosophy that is not it. religion and gods and shababa that's like how i like reading this and i was like okay i kind of know these stories because of what happened in this book this time i'm okay. gonna get it and then i get through it three issues and i was like okay i'm getting it i'm getting it nope <laughs> completely lost it cool thanks guys um so i don't know if knowing it would actually help a lot like yeah, because Morrison yeah. minds Morrison's mind just works differently than 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 ours. For sure, Morrison wrote um, Jerusalem, right? No, that was Alan Moore. Damn it! I always get them confused. Also, sorry for I don't know how are you about swear words. Do I really need to watch my language here? 
Oh, not at all. Okay. I, I swear. I swear. Okay. Storm over here. I don't think about asking it. And then I said it a lot in this podcast recently. And um, now I'm like shying away and asking every time because they were like, we don't, you're not <laughs> supposed to swear in this podcast. I was like, oh. Yeah. You're like, shit. Basically. Fuck, God damn it. What? Yep. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, it's. It is such a weird setup. And it it does ask, I think, a lot of interesting philosophical questions. Like, I think this book could easily be taught and it would make sense to be taught. Um, there are a For couple sure. pages that I would be like, hey, can we just not go onto this page? But outside of that, um, the whole discussion of, like, what is God? What is human? That's an entire, you know, philosophy class in and of itself. Taught through nameless. Yeah, and, uh, and <laughs> yeah, and I love that you bring up, you know, the, the like the nature, the, like bring up the nature of like what is God, because mm-hmm. um, I was flipping through. Uh, at, thankfully, uh, Morris, in in an attempt to try and help the reader understand what is going on in this massive thing, Morrison. Uh, like wrote a kind of a a little breakdown of all of the philosophical and religious elements that pop that mm-hmm. pop in in every if in every issue and try to in a way to try and explain what's going on. It still doesn't really explain what's going on because uh, again, you know, like Morrison is like working on a level that is that just right. like we. There's like there's like, and 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 like I'm not saying just like an, an intelligence level. There's just like there's like multiple levels of thinking, and they're just on on a level that we that we're not like lined up with on. So therefore, there are things that like they're, that they're trying to say that we're gonna go. Yeah, I don't fully understand that just because you're thinking on this level, I'm thinking on this level. So therefore, we're kind of it's kind of like two different planes of thinking. Sure. In a way. But there's a point in in that in that description or that uh, attempt at ex- explanation at the end of the of the trade, where Morrison mentions that the that th- their concept of God in this book was uh, was influenced by the portable I think it was the the portable atheist by Christopher Hitchens or edited by Christopher Hitchens, um, except that um, because Morrison, as they state. They're, they're a magician therefore they believe in all gods and therefore that whole point is kind of moot and they and, and they just kind of try to bring in every like every facet of of a god into this story okay i think i get that it kind of makes sense. i don't i love it though <laughs> I I don't know how much you want me to like try to attempt to respond to that that doesn't I'm afraid of jumping into spoilers but also this book the the goodreads summary like I so this is my second time reading this book uh the first time I read it was roughly 27/2018 um and like I have this visceral memory of reading it in the back of a cab in New York and like winter weather like i had gotten done with an event and you know instead of riding the subway the rest of the home i grabbed a cab and like was reading this and being like i don't understand <laughs> and I don't understand 
<laughs> I have a bad habit of reading books that either pop up as recommendations or like have something tied to them. I'm really bad at this for JBC without like I'll start a book and not read like a Goodread summary or like the back of the book or something. I like go on this bare memory of someone telling me what a book is about. And it makes for interesting reading of things because Stephanie will be like, this very clearly was coming. And I'm like, no, it was such a shock. And she's like, did you not read the summary? And all of this is to say, if you read the Goodread summary, this book makes a little bit more sense. Just a little though. Yes. yes. So listeners, uh, if, if you're not, haven't read it yet, um, we, the, the summary, the, the, I guess the summary of this is that um, there is the, the, the main character we kind of follow uh, who goes by the name of Nameless. He, he has no name. He is recruited by a philanthropist billionaire. Um, though those two words obviously don't go together <laughs> unless you're Batman and, and even that's, you know, mm, uh, iffy. Mm. Uh, but essentially this, this, this billionaire is, is saying to Nameless, there is an asteroid in space that we call Sebulba. And am I pronouncing that correctly? Zabalba? Shh. <laughs> If you hadn't asked, I could have answered that. Shibaba. It's it's almost like a. I don't even know if I'm a hundred percent pronouncing it right, but I think it's more. I was pronouncing it like the character from Star Wars. There you go. <laughs> uh, I think it's Star almost Wars. like an sh rather than a z. That makes sense. Okay, so um, it's like we found this asteroid. We named it Shibaba after. Something from from uh from, the place of fear. From, uh, from, yeah, the place of fear. Essentially, my and hell. And yeah, and uh, after Nameless has received um a key, which look here's the thing. Also, listeners, I also recently re- reread this. As in, I read this like two days ago, <laughs> and I'm still like trying to remember everything that happened because there's so much that happens in this. I just finished it. If you want me to try. (laughs) Yes. So like, but but like he gets the key from a, from a place from a person. (laughs) Sure. And they're like, we're we're like, we want you to come up here with like your knowledge of religion and philosophy and mythology and, attempt to help us figure out what is on the other side of this door that we know is here on this asteroid. I love that you phrased it as religion, mythology, and folklore or something like that. And they just go, it's the occult. All of this falls under occults. And I was like, yeah, religion falls under occult. Yeah. So. I mean, it does. Yeah, no, it does. And I just... I appreciated that nuance in this. Yeah, because well, you know, Mor- Morrison being you know a a magician and being and and has been uh, a, a fascinated with the occult for decades at this point, mm-hmm. and uh, has openly talked about you know, perfor- uh, you know, performing, uh, you know, r- like rituals and, and, try- and just trying to understand the nature of reality through 
magic. Mm-hmm. And I find it, and I find like, I love this, I love this piece in particular of theirs uh, in regards to the fact that they really are just, just going for it. And it's like, I'm going to use horror to try and understand the nature of reality and the nature and, and how we, you know, how we view uh, the nature of reality through the occult, through religion and philosophy and mythology and everything going on on that all falls under the, the occult uh, banner. Right. So that's essentially what happens. Nameless gets recruited. And uh, because this is a horror story, uh, fucked up shit happens. Yeah. Essentially asteroids on, way to hit earth the discussion of what are asteroids and where do they come from is a big part of this um that just only adds to what what's going on so yeah <laughs> yeah it's pretty great <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty insane too uh what i also love is because um i don't know about you but I'm a horror nerd. Same. I love, I I love horror stories. I love horror film. I love horror movies. Um, I, I'm one of those kids who was absolutely terrified by the black cauldron when I was four <laughs> years old. Sure. Uh, that then grew into someone who's like, yes, I'm going to watch the Texas Chainsaw Massacre on a nice, lovely Sunday afternoon because that is what one does, right? I mean, you watch you you watch that. You take that spin on it. I take the spin of. Some people do that so that they don't watch it Sunday night. Because, like, some things are just darker at night. That is true. I will <laughs> say, so, are you familiar with the movie Sinister? Yes, I know what Sinister, yeah. <laughs> okay, my, the first time I attempted to watch it was a was a bad experience. Um, I love that movie. Mm-hmm. But the first time I tried watching it, um, I was at home, alone, I was in my the previous house I lived in before here, which was my grandmother's house, where there are giant doors with giant glass windows in you know like almost like floor to ceiling windows in the doors, mm-hmm. and there and I was in the living room. There were three sets of these large double doors, so essentially just six giant windows, right there, plus normal windows on the other side of me. Right. And it is like 9 p.m. So it is dark. And I'm and I have like all the curtains like pulled open. I had the the blinds open and I look over outside the window and I see something that is not there and I'm just like nope turning off the movie i'm yep. put, i'm gonna find something funny on youtube and yep. try and fall asleep yep. yep so then the next time i watched it i was like i'm just going to sit here lock the door pull all the blinds down and watch it on my laptop with headphones on fair <laughs> so then nothing can get to me right that's how that works sure you're under the blanket you're safe uh yeah absolutely like like my my leg is not dangling off the bed therefore the monster under the bed cannot get it right sound logic <laughs> when I, uh, I i got into comics fairly late in life um, i got into comics roughly around 2016 like early 2016 um with saga and then immediately after that 
um, nail biter. And I have always been more, lean more towards horror comics than um, superheroes or anything like that. Like to the point, like I regularly go on panelology to talk horror comics in October. So nameless fit that bill (laughs) of like looking at it and being like, I don't know anything about this. Um, Kind of flip through it. Yeah. Okay. This looks like it's going to be terrifying. Terrifying. Um, also, there were rumors that it was getting turned into a movie. It didn't happen. The rumors were wrong. I'm kind of glad. <laughs> yeah, I also like rereading this. So the rumor was that James Gunn was going to turn this into a movie based on a symbol that he posted online that ended up being related to the movie Bright, um, which is a fantastic and horrific movie all on its own. But rereading it this time around. Bright burn, not. Bright not burn. Bright. Thank you. Sorry. Um, bright is not good. That is the stance of this podcast. <laughs> um, sorry. Yes, I remember Bright. Anyways, um, I don't I'm think sorry. James Gunn's who I would trust with something like this, just because this requires James Gunn is phenomenal, but he has a very linear and um, almost action feel to most of the things I've seen. And that includes like old school Slither and stuff like that. Um this needs someone who has more of like an art house feel. And I don't yes, see him pulling sure. that off. Like the person who created Lighthouse could handle this and would make oh, an absolute. Robert Eggers for sure. Yes. Thank you. I was like, I cannot remember who made that movie, but that is kind of a vibe that would work for this. Absolutely. Like, I would say like any of the. Like my three favorite filmmakers, uh, like 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 high profile fi- filmmakers making horror right now that I love, are like Robert Eggers, Ari mm-hmm. Aster, and mm-hmm. and Jordan Peele. And I would mm-hmm. I would honestly just get the three of them in a room together tr- and try and make this. Just throw Nia DaCosta in there, and you're good. Oh, absolutely! I I have seen I have not seen Candyman yet, but I saw Little Woods. Little Woods is fantastic. Very, very yes. And um, I'm hearing nothing but good things about Candyman, so I I enjoy. I it. fully expect Nia Dacosta to the body yeah. horror in Candyman. Yeah, she could handle this. Oh yes, thank you. I yeah. I love body horror. I am. So, you will I was... enjoy it. Have fun. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh God. I'm, oh, yeah. you got me so excited. Maybe I'll go see it tomorrow. I don't know. Do it. <coughs> Do I guess it. like I, you know, like I I I was. Like, my intro to body horror, I think, was a lot of people's intro to body horror was Cronenberg. Uh, and Cronenberg was my dude in <laughs> my senior year of high school. I watched... I, 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 I'm I pretty sure I've seen every Cronenberg movie at least five times. I I was obsessed. And I still have a, a, a small little part of my, of my heart is obsessed with him still and still revisits his movies to this day. Um... Uh, uh, but my, but of course, my 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 views on his movie have changed quite a bit, and like there are certain movies of his that I did not realize I was going to love more, like Naked Lunch and Spider. Like, who says that their favorite Cronenberg movies are Naked Lunch and Spider? Literally, no one except JD. <laughs> and yeah, but but getting to the horror aspects of Nameless, I love that also. Um, so uh, going back to that that thing at the end of the trade that Morrison writes uh, 
apparently this started with Chris Burnham. They had, the two of them had collaborated on Batman Incorporated, which was the, the tail end story of uh, Morrison's seven year run on the Batman title. Mm-hmm. And after that, they wanted to collaborate once again, but the, but Burnham has stipulations and the stipulations were it has to be six issues. It has to has, have monsters and it has to be a set in space. And that was pretty much it. It was like, like, and like as long as it has those three things, we can do whatever. And from there, Morrison wanted to involve, uh, as, as they put it, the sticky web, uh, like within the sticky web, a number of horror story tropes, which they list as possession, home invasion, cosmic monsters, visceral gross out scenes, existential nihilist despair, a seance in a haunted house, serial killers, hell, and the breakdown of civilization into barbaric chaos. Yeah, every single one of those is in this comic. Yeah. Almost in that order? Pretty much in that order. That is right. Yeah, the the, the, the barbaric chaos does show up uh, toward the end. Yeah. When the world is just going insane. Yeah. Can we get a little bit more into spoilers? Oh, we can definitely get okay. into spoiler territory. We've we've talked we've talked about this for a while now. <laughs> so the big question at the end is: Are they actually in space? Is there actually an asteroid? Did this woman escape to hopefully save Earth? And did she succeed by running it into the moon? Or is this all in his head? Is this all in his head? And is it in his head because there's an alien connection, or is he just bad shit? Or is he a god? He being nameless. Yes. Okay. Because there, there's <sighs> also there's also the idea that that he and um who we who Sophia. we meet at the at the beginning of the story, which if I re- if I'm remembering, let me look at the name, uh, Matt M A A T, the daughter of truth. Uh, there's there's an idea that that the uh, uh, concept they, they they possibly kind of set up that that the two of them are the, uh, like, almost like brother and sister, how gods work. Yeah. Mayan or, or gods, I think, all like, came in like twins. The two sides of the, yeah, they, yeah, or they're, and also bringing in the, uh, oh, what is it from, the uh, Janus, I believe, is from Egyptian mythology. Okay. And, and and like 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 the two headed god that could that could see both uh, past and present simultaneously. Right, right. Because there because there is right right at the beginning of the story there is um, a someone commits a mass murder, mm-hmm. and they are repeating a a phrase which I'm not going to attempt to say because it is uh, in the angel language known as Anakian. What that's that's a that's a whole thing. Uh, apparently in 1583, John D., who is a philosopher, uh, quote-unquote discovered, slash possibly created, uh, or just thought up somehow, yeah. uh, the, and, and the, the, the language that angels would speak to each other in, called Enochian or Enochian. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce that, so people, so everyone on Twitter, if, <laughs> if I fuck that up royally, let me know. Um... But he's saying a phrase that uh, tran- translates to, uh, I believe it was, is at, or like, is, was, and will be. Right. Or was, is, will be. Basically, uh, something, something that more, and, and that's something that Morrison has touched on throughout their work, in that uh, 
you know, time is not linear. Mm-hmm. Time is like Rachel, like, like our friend Rachel likes to say, time is a lake, and it can and it can be viewed simultaneously from like fourth or like fifth dimensional beings that we have no concept of, and that's like like they view comics as as a way to understand time, where like we can look at a panel on page one and a panel on page nineteen uh, within two seconds of each other but in the world of the comic they happen it's going to be happening linear uh, linearly there's a lot of concepts that i just threw out there for people to to figure out (laughs) like i think i understand where you ended there um i don't even understand where i'm going with this and and that's kind of like the nature of this comic is that there's so much happening that you know even as someone who who lo- who adores this comic for what it is, and but I still don't fully understand it. But there's a but there's always that 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 feeling that drive almost to want to try and understand it, to want to figure out mm-hmm. all the all the pieces that are laid out in this story, and just thinking like, well, where does that come from? Where does you know wh- you know where does where, where does the concept of of the wh- why is the angel language being referenced? Why is well, where, like, why why are they doing all these strange things going on and try, and wanting to to parse through them and try and understand them? So, the, I will say the first three issues. There is a linear way I think of reading the story, and it is very clear that it's not. It, it is something that could easily be studied and taken on many interpretations. But I do think that there is more or less a linear take on it. Um, I think that. So the the whole thing is that he has been recruited because this asteroid is going is coming to Earth and somehow he can help. And we mm-hmm. find out that the asteroid is actually a chunk of the missing fifth planet, um, Marduk, if I remember correctly, um, which is a real concept. Um, there's the, especially because of the asteroid belt between. Um, the fourth and fifth planet, there's a lot of different theories as to how that came to exist. And one of which is that a planet exploded or that, you know, disappeared or whatever, you know, became the asteroid belt. Um, Mm -hmm. And it takes that and turns it quickly into um, a war of good versus evil, which I thought it was an alien war at first, (laughs) but whatever. (laughs) Um, and that uh, basically they accidentally opened the door to the anti-universe and then we're trying to deal with whatever came out of that. And this is what killed the dinosaurs. Um, a piece of that planet hit the earth and they've come to realize that this is actually like, (laughs) this is not just a piece of that planet. It's like the jail cell like not only if this hits earth is it catastrophic but also big monsters are probably going to come out and it's so much worse than that (laughs) i love it it so much i love i like when you're explaining that you're just like and then big monsters show up and i'm like yes please (laughs) but they're not are they i don't know because at this there is a certain point that it hits um, it becomes very clear that, like, the guy who brought him onto the space station um, has been infected and crazy for 
a long time. Because, like, at some point it reveals that what they actually look like in this room are these people possessed, cannibals, destroying the spaceship. And that reveal was really cool. That was a great reveal. And like, having, like, like bodies hanging with heads severed mm-hmm. and, like, someone yeah. holding a severed head. It's it's so gross. And I yeah. love, like, I am I am very much someone who, like, I really hate torture porn. Same. I, I hate, I, like, I, I love the first Saw movie and what it was going for. And I hate what, but I hate what it 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 brought about what mm-hmm. what it inspired like the hostels and right. the green infernos and there there are some movies where i i can understand why they did why the filmmakers did what they did like something like martyrs sure where there is you know in, in their own way they do have a point with the violence but there's also just a level of violence there that i'm kind of uncomfortable with and i think it has mostly has to do with you know these are real people that I'm seeing doing all these things. And there's also like the, the sound sound design is what kills me in the end. Right. Is, is like the, the, like the hearing of like squelching of flesh and all, ugh, yeah, it, 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 things that make you go. Ugh. Sure. But in a comic, of course, I'm just seeing it. I'm not hearing it. So I'm just like, wow, that's really, that's really crazy and kind of, and, and kind of cool that they just have that in a, there's like in a panel. If this were in the movie, I would, I would like, it, like, I was like, I'd be like, go to my happy place. This is, this is <laughs> yes, too much. Yes. There's so much going on here. There is, uh, yes, definitely some. And then you bring in, in like you bringing up, uh, like the fact that's like, is this, once we get to like the halfway point, once we get over, once we go over to issue four, that's when we bring up, is this all in Nameless's head? Mm-hmm. And then, because then we are introduced to, you know, the idea that he was actually uh, recruited to uh, participate in a seance in a haunted house. Mm-hmm. And then toward the end, it's re- it, like, it's possibly revealed that maybe even that didn't happen. He's actually just right. having a conversation with this, with this God, the daughter of truth, uh, over the nature of reality and, and, and whether or not the maybe whether or not the earth should should be destroyed or not mm-hmm. that's very much and the vibe having I get. her fish guards yeah yeah and, and it like, is kind and, of a know, question like the, of of when he came in contact with the god alien whatever you want to call her um it is very much a question of is it when that seance happened or is this something that has been going on his entire life and when yeah. did that break happen? And, <laughs> yeah, and and Morrison does say that, like you know, the beginning of the, the the beginning of the story does set up the end, but there's also the uh, the whole thinking of like, well, are they happening simul? Are they happening right next to each other? Mm-hmm. Are they happening simultaneously? Happening maybe simultaneously? Uh, or you know, or or is this actually meant to be read completely linear- linearly, and you know. And, and nameless is encountering the god once again. Yeah, because like the 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 original feeling you kind of get as this starts is that nameless has come in contact with the alien through the seance and was the only one to resist, and that everybody else couldn't. And then it kind of becomes well, maybe he was the only one that gave in to it, 
or that they all gave into it. And then it becomes maybe he was the only one. And then it's like, well, did that actually happen or not? And at what point did this all become real? And how long is he on Earth just killing people for this godlike creature that's coming? Um, I love that he the reason why he's named Nameless really set up his job. And I still don't know if, like, was this job all in his head and he doesn't actually remember his name or, you know, is this the cool backstory he's created up or is this the actual backstory? But he gave up his name because names give power, so he surrendered it. It's not like he just stopped going by a name or anything. Like, he surrendered it so that nobody could have that power over him. And then add in that he's, like, an expert on occultism and, like, has helped MI6 and all this other stuff. That is so badass and would explain that he would know how to give up a name if it's Mm -hmm. true. (laughs) If it's true. Honestly, so I have not watched uh, the show The Librarians. It's a Mm -hmm. show that, like, after reading about it, I absolutely want to watch it because it so sounds like my shit. Mm -hmm. Um. he kind of reminds me of the Christian Kane character mm-hmm. from what I've read. Cause it's like, he has like a 190 IQ and, and, and like is a polymath and, and, and it ha- knows like several languages and is also a, 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 you know, a martial arts expert and all of this stuff. And I'm just like, that's kind of nameless. Like he yeah. is just kind of good at everything. And Morrison, and I, and I love that Morrison, by the end of it just kind of like like calls into question everything and i feel like that's also in a way that's it's also morrison trying to break like trying to break down gender norms in a way of by so by the end of the story um as morrison puts it uh the whole book is urging girls to rise up slaughter the rock star superhero warrior archetype and save the world so you know, I, I so hearing reading that it almost feels like Morrison is setting up that Nameless is actually uh, you know as maybe is possibly as another facet or or as like the twin of the daughter of truth is uh, trying to destroy the world while while Matt however you say her name uh, is actually trying to save the world right from from this man who thinks that he is the best at everything when when in reality he could possibly everything that he thinks is great about him could actually just be in his head this is true we're telling you this comic is weird (laughs) yeah because like i think the most linear and easy way to read this is that he did make contact with the alien maybe he forgot or whatever and this is coming back around and that this god creature is reforming into reality or is actually forming into reality based on his thoughts. And it's kind of a roundabout way of her learning about this universe through his mind. And it's just like this, like issue four. And I think most of five is just this internal conversation as she regains power and just kind of drives him nuts like, I don't know if it, it – I, I like to believe that he is actually standing on this asteroid and she is just torturing him. But, and I lo- and I love that. I, I feel like that is, such a, that, that is a great way to, to interpret it. And 
I honestly don't know if I have like a solid interpretation for it. I think just this is one of those pieces where I the like, any interpretation someone will bring to it, I'm just like, yeah, sure, yeah, that works because because what's great about this is that there like by the end there really are no definitive answers mm-hmm. outside of what Morrison has stated of like it's a you know just about women standing up destroying the the to- essentially toxic masculinity right. as it's as it sounds like they're saying and and saving the world from toxic masculinity you know and that's like that seems to be like maybe the only solid foundation we can we can uh rest upon and kind of build out from that yeah or you know maybe morrison is full of shit and and we just say what and we just think whatever the fuck we want about this because again so much happens here that you can have you know 11 billion interpretations of this same story yeah no this is this is something that i think could be taught at in a in a class and easily easy to write papers about this book yes uh so what i'm saying is mrs carl uh and from from seminole high school uh, if you're still teaching uh, senior English, uh, I and, and and you're looking for something, I mean, Morrison technically isn't British; uh, they are Scottish. Um, but I highly recommend you you try <laughs> you try and teach this comic to seniors in high school. Sure, traumatize them before college. Why not? Do it. <laughs> Do it. I mean, I've always had the idea of like if I were if I if if, if college were free, you know. Sure. Let, let's bask in that for a second and just and think about how great that would be. Anyway, uh, if 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 that were the case, I would have actually become an I, I would have definitely become an English teacher for high school. <laughs> sure. But yeah. I would have used that as a backdoor way to eventually just teach comics to kids, and sure. you know, even though th- th- there's a lot of things that I don't know if I would show to a 17 year old, I would still like, tr- like introduce this to them and be like, there's a lot of weird concepts in this that, you know, like you, that you can learn from any novel mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and, and going to show that, you know, comics have evolved to the, have evolved to the point where we can, you know, do literally anything in comics and it can work. It can definitely work. And Morrison specifically set out to like, you know, create the comic in a way that didn't uh, ascribe to like the way film and television works. Because Morrison was kind of a part of this boom in in comics in the in the late nineties, really like in nineteen ninety nine, with the creation of a particular comic called The Authority. which I will not mention who worked on that comic because fuck that person. They don't get to, they don't get to have their name said on this com on this show. Okay. Um, but the authority was a part of this boom th- of comics taking influence from blockbuster filmmaking. And Morrison was definitely a part of that boom, especially when, you know, right after that happened, they were doing new X-Men mm-hmm. and new X-Men feels like a big blockbuster movie. This does not. No. This feels like the farthest thing from from film and television. This feels like something that it, like this has to work as a comic. And if you and you know us talking about uh, 
when there were talks of there being a film adaptation, like I really don't think there could be a film adaptation that would, you know, there could be, but it would be so vastly different. And I would love to see it. I think it mostly depends on who gets, who got their hands on it. And if they felt that it required a linear narrative, because I'd almost make the argument that if there's a lot, I disagree about Christopher Nolan's, um, the way that he directs things and how he handles things, but I'd almost be like, yeah, sure, fine. You like weird shit. You mm-hmm. like messing with time. You don't do it well, in my opinion, sometimes, but whatever. <laughs> and um, I look, I like Christopher Nolan. I love Christopher Nolan's Batman's, don't get me wrong, but Christopher Nolan has a tendency to kill women, or if he allows them to live, they have next no part and could be replaced by a tree. And then he does a lot of these things that, He's like, this is super flashy and intelligent. And it's like, no, bud, it's really not. <laughs> and uh, and and so many people just fall in love with it. And that's fine. I loved The Prestige, one of my favorite movies. Current Nolan, I have a lot of problems with, but he does like playing with time linear shit and dreamscapes and things like that, that I think that he could be one half of a good team on this. I don't think that he has the eye for horror this would require, but I feel like he could play with bending shit in a way that would work. Let him produce it. That I'd be fine with. Sure. Yeah, like let like like we already said, get Peel and Aster and Eggers and DaCosta in a room together and just let them hash it out and let mm-hmm. Nolan fund the whole thing. Yep. I'd be on board with that. Because at this point Nolan could totally do that. Yeah. And just, and I also I don't necessarily want this. And the fact of the matter is with most of that, you know, you get Nolan involved, like it's going to go towards needing a plot line, which isn't to say this doesn't have a plot line, but you have no idea what the final plot line is. Yeah. And, and, or no, 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 there is the whole concept of what if David Lynch made this? Oh, God. I don't know about that. His <laughs> daughter does stuff now, too. What did she? Is she? Do? Oh, my gosh. What did she direct recently that I was like, huh? Gossip well, he Girl. he does have a daughter named. That's what it was. And it was an episode of Gossip Girl. Jennifer really? Lynch. Really? Yes. Okay. Jennifer Lynch. Okay, no, no, no. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm on, that's... I'm on her Wikipedia yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because she also like, oh, she wrote the the secret diary of Laura Palmer for Twin Peaks, mm-hmm. and she has directed several films. Uh, the first the the first of which was in 1993 and apparently got terrible reviews. So she took a 15 year hiatus. Yeah, she's done a lot of TV shows of shows that I've enjoyed. So like, she's got some weird shit. She could do it. I'm here for it. Yeah. Yeah. I also like I I I just like the idea of like several filmmakers yeah. uh, and like writers and directors coming in together and like creating almost like a team to to create this because you know comics are a very collaborative uh, a collaborative experience mm-hmm. and but it's a it's still a very small team but everyone kind of uh throws in their hat into the sure. writing process. Sure. Um I mean more I mean Hell, Morrison mentions that this idea started with Chris Burnham, the artist. So therefore, it's like everyone kind of has their has like this like throwing in their their two cents on how, on the writing of the story. So you know, and filmmaking is 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 also a collaborative experience on a much 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 larger scale. And 
but when it comes to the writing of of, of films, they, there's usually you know the, that ex- that collaborative experience is usually limited to the writer and the director, and right. that's and that's also thinking of if they are not the same person because you know of course there are plenty of directors who also write. Sure. So that's why I, I like the concept of like having multiple writers on this, even having multiple directors. So just like having multiple people who, who have made films on their films, great films on their own coming together to try and parse this thing out and yeah. not having a linear, a linear plot line or having a linear plot line, but making you question the entire time, even up to the very end, mm-hmm. what is actually happening and what is happening in someone's head. Agreed. Yeah. No, I could see that. Pull a Mulholland drive or something. I don't know. Yeah. No, I could see that. As that is literally just, my only touchstone <laughs> with um, like weird timey-wimey things. The, this, I don't know, reading it, it reminds me of Andalite Chronicles. There's some weird body horror shit in that too. Uh, <laughs> I'm unfamiliar. Please tell me. Uh, it's a, it's an Animorphs book. That's all. It's, it's, it's um, okay, basically cool. they gotcha. find this time device and... <laughs> almost destroy the universe <laughs> in a similar like maybe i should get in body horror maybe i should get into animorphs uh if you yeah no it's a traumatic experience i will sell you that it is a traumatic no, book I, I i wonder like if, if if a way for me to get into animorphs maybe if there was a podcast <laughs> where uh where people just where people sat down and it and, and reread the animorph books after uh like after reading them in childhood <laughs> and then coming back to them as adults and then also possibly even talking to people who have worked on like the comic book adaptations of the, <laughs> the, working within the Animorphs. Do you know if there's a podcast about uh, that? So there's actually a website that lists all the Animorphs podcasts and several of them have talked to Chris Grimes. But yeah, I am a part of Minds at Yerk. Um, we have finished the entire Animorphs series. We are currently going through the TV show. Um, which was is just full I of nineties delight. Yes, it was from ninety eight to ninety nine, I think. And was it also a Canadian show like Goosebumps yeah. and Are You Afraid of the Dark? It it was Canadian. That, yeah, it was on tracks. Nickelodeon. So yeah. Um, oh yeah, Def- that definitely tracks. <laughs> South California looks a lot like uh, uh, the Pacific Northwest. So. Uh, yeah, I do that. I also co-host uh, Judging Book Covers, which is also on the Certain POV Network. We read books, try to expand our um, past what we would normally read so that we don't get into reading ruts. And it is delightful. So, That's yeah. awesome. I, I, I love that we just all of a sudden decided to segue into the ending. And, and Sorry. Like your stuff. It's like, if I don't no, do both of them that. now... I, I, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I will forget. Yeah, well, I think it's. Oh, I, I was actually going to say like we, we like we have we have discussed this at length. Um, sure. And also, yeah, and 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 also you 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 do have to 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 have a heart out here yes. pretty soon. So that worked out pretty well. Yeah. So you've already plugged your stuff, and this is the end of the episode. So great. <laughs> and I, I I also do I I also do love the concept of judging book covers because like Thanks. I have. I now have with my friend Angela um, Fables and Reflections, mm-hmm. where we're diving into the world of Neil Gaiman. Sure. And I've I have like no concept of Neil Gaiman outside of you know 
the film adaptations and the couple of films he has wrote. Mm-hmm. Like I, until this podcast, I had never read any of his novels, even though I had every single one on my bookshelf. Sure. And now I've read three <laughs> and I'm getting there and, you know, and, but I, 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 yeah, I do love judging, judging book covers. And I love the fact that like, just go like just going for just plowing forward and just like let's take a look at you know ro- or no romance no, a romance story that that we never would have yeah we um even thought of getting into we it, judging book covers has morphed over the years as to to what it actually does uh we don't do a lot of judging covers because as stephanie and I recently found out we actually they we book covers are great they're we take them for what they are, and we don't particularly hate a lot of book covers. Um, so it's usually us just kind of gushing about how great the book covers are. But we tend to set reading challenges. And this year we're doing Book Riot's 2021 reading challenge, um, if you want to go check it out. And, it yeah, you you read things like, like you said, a romance book, but, you know, a romance book not set in the U.S. Or um, what do we just do? Um, a YA book that's not set in uh, the U.S., Canada, or um, Europe, like just trying to really expand outside of um, what, for me, can be a lot of uh, white women authors. Um, And for some people, it's, you know, white male authors or just whatever. And also not treating books that are not written by white authors is um, statement pieces necessarily. So it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I mean, like I, I I'm recently getting into uh, Stephen Graham Jones's Good. horror novels. Yeah, I'm Good I'm choice. currently like even though I'm I'm currently in the middle of one Stephen King book, I'm also uh, digging through the Only Good Indians, which I which yeah. The I'm, only reason I'm, we like, haven't read that uh, is because. Um, dog whore, like dogs die. And like the, that book came up as an option literally like the month after both, we both lost our dogs. So, <laughs> Ooh, yeah. So yeah. like, I don't know if you've gotten yeah, to that part, I, but I can like, attest that. there's dog death. Oh yeah. it ha- It's already happened. Okay. I'm, I'm about a third of the, th- the thing about the only good Indians also is like, it's like 300 pages. It's really short. Sure. Compared so to Stephen King. Sure. It, hap- it happens within the first hundred pages. Okay. Yeah, uh, and 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 yeah, it it, it it's gruesome, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, and I love dogs, so that was hard to read. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, yeah, and 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 is also also hard to read it sometimes in different ways, just because Jones wrote in a way that I'm not used to. Mm-hmm. So that it was also just like getting myself in the mindset of understanding what he's what he's uh, how he's writing. And I love, and I love, I love doing that. I love experiencing writers that I just never thought I would read. Sure. And, I, and everyone go read a Stephen Graham Jones thing. He actually had, he actually just had a new book come out um, as, you know, as of this recording, it hasn't come out yet, but by the time it's out, by the time this episode's out, that book will be out. Um, and I will probably have already read it okay. and I will be raving about it on Twitter. There you um, go. So... <laughs> With that all being said, this is the end of the episode. Meg has already plugged all of her stuff, which means now. Um, oh, and actually, uh, 
you already told us where um, what you're what you're up to, but uh, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me uh, basically anywhere on social media at Meg Griffin, Meg with two G's, um, and yeah, I have almost any kind of social media. Uh, I don't necessarily update anything re- regularly other than Twitter, uh, and even that right now is hit or miss. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm in a and like busy I said, writing uh, the, season. The, the, so. the, yeah. Well, uh, with that all being said, uh, it's time. That's the end of the episode. So now it's time for me to uh, give my thanks and plug what's coming up. So, uh, first of all, I want to thank the one and only Meg Griffin uh, for coming on the show. Thank you and, for having and, me. And, and indulging me with this weird-ass comic. Yeah, anytime. And then next, I want to thank you, the wonderful listeners, for tuning in to my dumb little show. And it really warms my heart that you tune in. That people, there are people who actually tune in every week and listen to this stupid fucking show. And but it, so, and if you are so inclined, uh, if you're able to on whatever platform you're listening to this, listening, I can't speak anymore. Uh, words <laughs> are hard. Uh, whatever you're listening to this on. Uh, if you're able to please rate review subscribe it helps the show grow helps more people listen to the show and that's literally all i want with this thing <laughs> and next i have to thank the wonderful dan purcell the friend of all pods for crafting the beautiful theme that opens and closes every episode dan you're the best everyone follow him on twitter and instagram at the dan purcell listen to his original <laughs> music it's just chock full of bangers dan's great dan i love you wherever you are and then I want to thank the certain POV network for continuing to put up with my bullshit. Yes, you heard me right. I stole that from Rachel fair and square. That's how this works. So thank you to CPOV for putting up with me and letting me run rampant across the network. Just yelling about comics. (laughs) Uh, I have joined Alex in that, in that crusade. You cannot stop us. Uh, so I also incline all of our listeners, if you haven't yet, uh, please go to certainpov.com. Check out all the other great shows. I mean, you got judging book covers over there with Megan Stephanie. It's fantastic. Also check out books that burn. Check out the real movie critic versus the Synagogue. Check out let's rewatch and Saturday morning confidential and men of steel. There are so, so, so many great shows under the network that are way better than mine. And, (laughs) When you get to certainpov.com, scroll down to the bottom of the homepage. There is a permanent link to the CPOV Discord. Come hang out with us. Talk books, talk comics, talk video games and movies, and just all the wonderful nerdy shit that we love. And uh, finally, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at ComicsQuestShow. There's a link in the Twitter bio that links to my personal Discord, where you can come hang with me and a lot of my friends. We talk comics, and uh, there's also a section dedicated to um, my podcast with Angela, uh, Fables and Reflections, where we're diving into the world of Neil Gaiman. And we're having a lot of fun doing that, obviously, because uh, (laughs) as I've discovered, Neil Gaiman stuff is pretty cool. Shocking. And with all that being said, uh, let's talk about what's coming up next. So next week is the finale of Morrison Quest. And... Uh, I can't tell you who the guest is, uh, not because I don't have someone booked, obviously. That's not how the show works. Uh, because there is, because it is a mystery guest. Sure. Okay. We'll go with that. 
<laughs> Definitely a mystery guest. Um, but what is not a mystery is what we we're discussing, and that is Grant Morrison, Liam Sharp, and Hermonico's The Green Lantern. All right. Which, uh, before uh, Superman and the Authority got delayed a year for a year, was supposed to be Morrison's final superhero comic, or just comic in general, for quite some time while they now are working in the film and television arena. Uh, So that is next week. Also next week is episode 10 of the long haul where I will have my very good friend, Seth Decker on where we're going to be diving into the weird history of amalgam comics. It's going to be an interesting episode, very different from, from what I usually do on the show. So that's going to prove to be, um, a very, very fun time because Seth is just the absolute best. Seth, wherever you are right now, I fucking love you. You're the best. You're the whole reason I'm here. With all that being said, um, again, thank you all for listening to the show. I seriously love you all. And remember, getting in comics may seem like an impossible journey, but every step is worth it. we've been friends for seven years and it all started because i compared you to alana the lioness tamara pierce really set the tone of our friendship a love of magic briar moss fantasy briar moss powerful women and of course briar moss i'm anna and i'm mj and we invite you to join our circle of friendship where we do a chapter by chapter deep dive into the circle of magic series by tamara pierce we answer important questions like How does Moonstream let certain dedicates take care of children? Can you imagine anyone else but Mandy Patinkin playing Nico? Knives, Briar. And Knives! Join us every other Monday at cofpodcast.libsyn.com or wherever you download podcasts. But seriously, Knives... CPOV! CertainPOV.com